Well, hello. Hi. We're both eating chips. Sorry, I'm eating <laughs> sweet potato chips. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hungry work. Mm. Bringing you this quality content. And I mean, if we're talking about food, we just want to maybe eat a little bit of food as well. Mm. And I have a high metabolism. I need a lot of snacks. Yeah, you do like snacking. Mm. You've liked snacking for as long as I've known you. A snacker. Mm. I'm Jamie. And I'm Charlotte. And you're listening to With With Relish. meals i'm gonna take that segue Ooh. and talk about roast lamb damn girl that was smooth we're not even launching into hey how are you today we're just gonna get stuck right in yeah, fucking around back to season four kiwiana classics um mm-hmm. so in new zealand uh we're famous for our lamb beef and lamb like it's next lev lamb most of it gets exported so you've probably tried it i was gonna say you've if you're listening to this and you're overseas, you've probably also bought New Zealand lamb uh, in, yeah, like supermarkets and stuff. But, um, yeah, a warm, delicious leg of lamb on the bone with fresh mint sauce or rosemary, depending gravy. on kind of like who you are. Oh, yeah, gravy. Some gravy. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a classic wintry Sunday night roast to me. And it's winter and I don't know about you, but I could do with a roast lamb right now. I could do it with a roast lamb anytime. I don't mind. Mm. Like, no, but like cold weather and like mm, weekends just weirdly make me want like some slow cooked meat. Yeah. yeah. Oh, delicious. Um, so to get really just sort of stuck in, um, we've long been producing award winning lamb and beef, but also wool. Um, and milk and, and milk and dairy. like we're famous for it and we we're an agriculturally based nation we are and we basically smash it when it comes to producing like sheep based products really essentially like, yeah. we're really good at growing grass mm. so anything that that needs grass we're spot on yep and the massive sheep population here may be the reason we have sheep shagging stereotypes and jokes but our affinity to a yummy roast lamb is nothing to cackle about (laughs) we even have national lamb day on february the 15th and uh which is the day after valentine's day is that saying something i like i i remember seeing it and being like i mean of course there's national lamb day like of course we have national lamb day but yeah, the day after Valentine's Day is a bit Just weird. Just buying into that sheep-shaking stereotype. Yeah. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> the day for your side piece It's almost kind of, of em- lamb. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> side piece. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, since Lamb's introduction by early European settlers. Yeah, Lamb was not native to New Zealand. It never just evolved here i believe in evolution just by the way so it never just evolved (laughs) it never evolved out of like a small ocean lizard or anything and crawled up and just crawled up onto land and suddenly evolved between a tuatara and a lamb no no so they were bought here and the dish has become a true kiwi staple in its own right as well as be as well as being new zealand's like one of new zealand's leading exports which obviously we've spoken about um so apparently, hist- like this is what the the history books talk about. Mm-hmm. James Cook 
bought a ewe, a female sheep, and a ram, a male sheep, along, along on his second voyage to New Zealand in 1773 and released them both into Marlborough's Queen Charlotte Sound, where they soon died. I was going to say, that's a terrible plan. It's really cold and wet there. It's not sheep material. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, sheep farming wasn't to actually take place or actually start working until around the 1850s. So when they realized that the place that is mostly mountains and water was maybe not the ideal terrain for sheep. Exactly. And like super steep and yeah, mountainous and, and, and very wet. So once the industry had time to begin, mature, and, you know, just actually fucking Evolve. work, <laughs> yep, um, wool became one of New Zealand's highest valued exports. And by 1882, the introduction of frozen meat brought new opportunities to this thriving industry. And lamb became a significant source of revenue for a young, colonised New Zealand. From then on, sheep farming became a symbol of New Zealand as a nation. Aww. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The majority of sheep found in New Zealand is a breed called Romney, which is an English breed, and that's able to tolerate local weather conditions, as well as producing the quality meat and wool that we're so globally renowned for. Um, Merino, which is a Spanish breed, better known for its desirable wool, Great obviously. Wool on yep. a Merino, yes. I'm wearing Merino as we speak. Uh, was also brought to the country in large numbers. So we also have quite a few Merino sheep here in New Zealand. It's very good for uh, temperature moderation yep. and wicking. moisture wicking. Yeah, Merino. exactly. So in 1972, the abundant sheep population peaked at more than 70 million in 1972. It's a lot of sheep. So, yeah. It's a so, solid number. It is. So, we've had a lot of sheep here for a long time. Like, it isn't like in the last sort of 10 years that we're just kind of like, whoa, sheep. I feel like, like sheep is probably going down over the last 10 years rather than up. So, by 2016, however, that number had plummeted oh, to are. 28 million. So, mm. there you go. Lamb, it's a hard industry. It is, yeah. And lamb is considered an essential part of the quintessential New Zealand Sunday roast. Um, it's been a long-held family tradition that diligently survived until the late 20th century. Um, not seeing it as much anymore, though. Like it's Like, it's not as traditional as it once was. I think it's still traditional. I just think people aren't carrying on the tradition. Mm. I mean, I'm, I cooked a roast on... Tuesday, but I very rarely cook a roast because there's only two of us. Yeah, and I'm the same. Like, it's not... Well, I love it. We're going to be eating it for the entire week. Exactly. And (laughs) I don't... Like, sometimes I want some lamb, but I don't want to eat lamb for a week because there's so much lamb and a roast is so big for only two people. Um, So, typically, a leg of lamb or mutton was served alongside a combination of a roasted and boiled veg, including potatoes, pumpkin, Mm -hmm. kumara, and peas. Delightful. Don't forget the rosemary and mint jelly and gravy. I don't like mint jelly. In the earlier days, meals... Jamie hates mint jelly. I am also not <laughs> a mint jelly fiend. My nephew, however, is six, loves mint sauce to the fact that he will ask for mint sauce with everything. Mm. If there is meat on the table, like pulled pork on the table for, for tacos, asks for mint sauce. Really? Loves it. Fucking loves it. Huh. Little monster. Something wrong with him. What a strange child. 
My sister, if you're listening, I do love him, but there's something wrong with him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mint sauce. That much of a love for mint sauce is just unnatural. He just must love that sort of fresh, minty, nummy kind of feeling. He's into it. Yeah, and mint sauce is kind of sweet too. Yeah, I guess so. Children are strange. Yeah, they are. So, yeah, I I delved back in time to dig out a little bit of information on the history of cooking with lamb. And starting with Mrs. Beaton's book of household management. Oh, damn, Mrs. Beaton, you're managing that household. That thing is a Bible. It is huge. It's a massive, massive book. Does it tell me the proper way to greet my husband when he gets home? Uh, Because that's how I what I love about 19... 50s and 40s and early home management books. It's like, make sure you have lipstick on and the children are clean. Yes, exactly. Make <laughs> and sure I'm the like, children well, are the quiet. dog washed herself earlier, so. Exactly. <laughs> so, this gigantic beast of a book, which I have a copy of and the cover is coming off. And so I try not to, it's like, I want to read it, but I try not to touch it so much because I just, it's, uh, yeah, it needs to be fixed. And I get worried it's going to break. But it was first published in 1861. This book inspired me to make Logan and I a roasted rack of lamb. And can I just say that my lamb following the recipe was so perfectly cooked that even I was genuinely surprised and shocked that I'd managed to cook this piece of meat so perfectly. Wow. I yeah, I I was I was I was just reading the book and I was like, "Oh my god, that rack of lamb looks really good." Give or take some of the things cuz sometimes yeah. the stuff that she would make it with obviously back in that time were delicious, but I'm like, mm. We don't put those things together now. I don't want to do that. So I kind of just followed the the bit the of basic advice. Premise. Yeah, about cooking the lamb and like prepping it and stuff like that. And um, I was, I let it rest. Like it was just perfect. I let my roast rest on Tuesday when I made it. It was still very rare. Yeah. Which is fine because I like my meat sort of like slightly warm and still boiling. Yes. Um, but I would not have been able to serve it to a lot of my family because they would have been like, this is undercooked. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. Like everyone's so, yeah. <clears throat> you I know. thought it was going to be ready. It wasn't ready. I followed <laughs> the instructions. They betrayed me. That's okay. That's all right. Um, I have completely lost my spot but yeah I was talking about the meat and the rack of lamb and it was fucking delish and um as the as the 20th century progressed so lamb became more famous on kiwi dinner tables as a weekly Sunday roast no recipe was necessary it was literally just like grab a piece of meat prep it how you want chuck the veg in that you've still got in the fridge or whatever that you need to use and go for gold and make up a a, a, you know, a delicious meal with like pan juices and gravy mm. and mm, pan juices. Scraping. What is it about the word, just the term pan juices that's just so yum? I'm like, yes, it's just so flavorsome. I just and love all those little bits that are like in the, the crunchy bits and the, and the fat that's come out. That's why they're so good. I know, I know. Mm. So the leg and the rack, I thought this was quite interesting. The leg and the rack are the most tender cuts of meat on a lamb. And they are at their best when roasted. So roasting is a dry heat cooking method, meaning that you don't add any liquid to the meat as you cook it. Whereas like a tougher cut of lamb, like a shank or a shoulder, I think a lot of people would know like a lamb shank. Like it's quite You'd a chunky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are definitely best for, yeah, braising or like slow cooking it, stewing it, putting it in a casserole with like gravies and sauces mm. and stuff to make it really moist and like just fall off the bone. Um. Oh, lamb shanks are so good. It reminds me of my You're grandma. You're going to make me lamb shanks after this, right? Oh, 
like a good 50s housewife that you are. Oh, man. I'm I'll be your husband. Um, I'm so tempted to go home and chuck something in the slow cooker. Um, so, yeah. Damn really it, delicious. I tried to subtly get more chocolate and it was not subtle. It made a large noise. Did you just crinkle everything? I did. Classic. So, um, just to wind down, while the Sunday night tradition of a delicious lamb roast may not be as traditional, like it doesn't sort of happen on the clock every week, and it might not be as popular as it used to be, you can be sure that New Zealand is still home to some of the tastiest lamb in the world. I mean, fun fact, we exported $1.5 billion worth of beef and lamb to China in 2019 alone. Well, shit. So that tells you something. That's a lot. $1.5 billion of beef and lamb just to China in one year. There's a lot of people in China, though. There is. There is. And that was pre-COVID. So, Mm. yeah. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. It really is. I love that you've um, taken out the core. (laughs) The the chocolate (laughs) orange. The pith. She's pith. The chocolate pith. (laughs) Can I eat that? Sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, mine kind of ties in. Mine is also a meat-based product today. Oh, wow. Okay. That wasn't deliberate. The way that you said that made it sound like it was deliberate. You were like, well, that wasn't deliberate. No, but like, we didn't, we, didn't, we didn't plan that. I'm just half eating chocolate and She's half looking at my tea going, damn it, it's nearly empty. That's fine. Um. So, today's classic kiwi food was suggested by my mum hi mum sorry about the dick jokes and the swear words i love you and the crunching and the crunching sorry diane um i'm gonna start us off with a safety advisory for this food from Mm -hmm. my beloved new zealand police force as delivered to a hungry suspected car thief in 2009 what three o'clock in the morning you're buying a pie from the bp station what must you always do Three o'clock in the morning, that pie's been in the warming drawer for probably about 12 hours. It'll be thin or nuclear. You must always blow on the pie. Always blow on the pie. Safe communities together. Safer communities together. <laughs> always blow on the pie. Oh, no. <laughs> so that's right. I am serving up a piping hot mince and cheese pie. Beloved by tradies, sports fans, and anyone with a hangover. The mince and cheese pie can be found in its natural habitat of petrol stations, bakeries with rubber curtains over the door, and convenience stores at 3am. Yum. It's a Kiwi institution, and the basic premise is this. You make a hand-sized bowl out of pastry, you fill it with beef mince, top it with cheese, and then seal it up with a crispy pastry lid. Mm. Personally... I like a flaky, buttery pastry with a dense mince with, like, onions and peas and carrots and cheese sauce. But some people are really into a more liquid filling with lots of glutinous gravy surrounding mystery beet, like an unset aspic. Ooh. Makes me want to puke. I hate that gelatinous gravy. It's disgusting. No, I can't do it either. So I'm very selective about my pie. And mince and cheese pie are part of New Zealand's national identity, with New Zealanders devouring an average of 15 meat pies per person each year. Holy shit. So if you take out all the vegans and all the vegetarians and all the gluten-free people who can't eat a lot of pies, Mm. imagine how many that is per person. 
That's like, a lot. If you eat and pies, I'm... you're actually eating a lot of pies. Yeah, I certainly do not eat 15 pies a year. No, so there's someone who's eating 30 pies to make up for your pie. Holy shit. I honestly probably eat about three pies a year. But if there was a decent non-mystery meat pie around, I could eat five in a week. Do you know what I mean? Easily. Yeah. Mm. Um, but how this tongue-burning meat boat became a national treasure is harder to nail down than your mate who said it helped build your debt but is somehow always busy on the weekend. Mm. Mm-hmm. I can't find the first Kiwi Pie Company or the first brand to mass produce mince and cheese pies. Much like the mysterious Lamington and the Afghan biscuit, it's like we all woke up one day and every dairy had put in a pie warmer overnight. Yeah, they are. They're so mysterious. But if we go way, way further back into pie evolution... I can tell you where the humble mince and cheese was born. The same place that every pie, sweet or savoury, hot or cold, was born. Greece. Oh, what? I had no idea. The Greeks knew that food is better when you can carry it around, Mm -hmm. so they encased meat in its own built-in pastry lunchbox. So handy. So convenient. Oh my god, it's fucking genius. Right. Historians believe these early pastry shells were made of flour and water, and were then picked up by the Romans, who started varying the fillings to include different meats and seafoods, even though they served them alongside their dessert course. Huh. So can you imagine, you've got like your cake, you've got your fruit, you've got your sweet treats, you've got your fish pie. Yeah, that's a weird mix. That's a bit strange. Yeah. Maybe they just didn't really, um, like maybe it wasn't, um, like co- the idea of courses wasn't... I think they had courses during their feasting but I don't know. Just a bit strange. Mm. And as everything eventually does, the pie ended up in Britain, where the confusing sweet meat theme continued, mm. including beef, lamb, wild duck, and magpie, often flavoured with pepper, currants, and dates. Currants? Yeah, it's a very okay. sweet and savoury combination. Yeah. Uh, And when the English colonised New Zealand, they brought their meat pies with them. Like most British travellers, they refused to eat the local food. Mm. And the anglicised diet, pie included, eventually became part of Kiwi culture, with the first newspaper mention of a meat pie occurring in 1863. Wow. Now, in the 1960s, New Zealanders started trying exotic new foods, like rice risotto. Oh my gosh. And horrendous westernised curries. With no flavour whatsoever. (laughs) And fueled by all this experimentation, at some point in the 1970s, a genius threw some cheese in a mince pie, and we all owe them a huge debt of gratitude. (laughs) We loved meat pies so much that in 1977, local grocery company Progressive Enterprises jumped on the fast fast food bandwagon and created Georgie Pie, whose menu consisted entirely of mass-produced pie and ice cream sundaes. How interesting. I had no idea that Progressive Enterprises created Georgie Pie. Yeah. That's Countdown. It's like a um, counter to McDonald's. Ah. Fuck, I loved Georgie Pie. I have very vague memories. My mum wouldn't let me go there because she was like, it's trash food. Really? We weren't allowed fast food. We went there Um, like once for like you'd go there for like maybe a birthday that yeah, was it my of. dad was a big georgie pie fan but i don't remember ever eating a pie from there all i remember eating is a frozen buzz bar sunday 
Oh, wow. Which my dad Buzz. still talks about how pissed off he is that he can no longer get a frozen Buzz Bar Sunday. Do Buzz Bars still exist? Yep. I don't think I've had a Buzz Bar in you years. You can get them at the uh, awesome veggie shop down the road oh that God, also the... sells the, the chocolate oranges and all the weird stuff. They have got so many retro snacks I that I that just, place. it blows my mind. Um, unfortunately, despite Georgie Pie's Kiwi flair, the chain closed down in the 1990s due to financial difficulties. Probably because everything they sold had a 50-50 chance of giving you food poisoning. Probably. With exception, of course, of the frozen Buzz Buzz Sunday, which was pure culinary gold. <laughs> uh, McDonald's, who acquired the Georgie Pie brand before its closure, introduced Georgie Pie pies to its menu in 2013, mm. but I never got one. Did you get one? Yep. From McDonald's? Yep. Were they good? Yep. Tasted exactly the same. See, I have no memory of what they taste like, but I was like, mm, McDonald's is dodgy on a good day. I don't know about a pie from McDonald's. No, nah, they tasted exactly the same, and um, it was like nostalgia hitting you in the face. Wow. Mm. It was quite cool. Okay. They don't have them anymore, though. They're gone. No. I mm. wonder if they'll ever bring them back. Hmm. Mm. Really good pastry. Ah, oh, so you've got to have a good pastry. Yeah, it was really yummy. You don't and want, like, like, a clumpy pastry. Nah, and it was just the flavour of the innards. The innards. It was really good. That's very accurate, Charlotte, the mm. innards. Yeah, it was delicious. <laughs> Speaking of innards, pies aren't all crisp pastry and high-grade fillings, though. Just like the Discworld's cut-me-own-throat dibbler... <laughs> There's been more than a few pie makers who could find a use for bits of an animal that the animal didn't know it had. Oh my god, that is so gross. Mrs. Lovett and Sweeney Todd aside, you've got Big Ben pies. Oh, fuck. I would I not sh- eat a Big Ben pie. I wouldn't touch one with a pole. No one should eat a Big Ben pie. Because Big Ben pies, founded in 1969, are known for not just once. But at least three times in 2014, 2017, and 2019, selling batches of pies with large chunks of unidentified hair in them. Oh my god, that makes me want to be so sick. Big Ben Pies says it's cow hair and that they have a very high quality control standard. I say it doesn't fucking matter whose hair it is and that they clearly do not have high quality control standards. That is so fucking disgusting. I swear to God, if I bit into a Big Ben pie and had a chunk of fur. It's not fur, it's like hair. I would like instantly become a vegan. I googled a photo of it. And it looked, it was like a chunk of fish with this big chunk of, like, thick hair in the pot. Oh, it looked. That makes me want to be sick. just thinking about it. Oh, Yeah, that makes me sick. It was disgusting. I can't with Big Ben. And this happened over multiple years, and they were like, it's cool. And people still buy them. People still buy them. Vote with your wallet and don't buy Big Ben. <laughs> no, you go to the airport and people have trays of frozen pies that they take into the islands. And I'm like, oh, don't eat that. Get a good pie. Don't get that pie. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, some fun facts. <sighs> you know I love a fun please fact. Please bring me back. <laughs> bring me back to life, please. <laughs> Due to COVID-19, uh, I don't believe the New Zealand Pie Awards were held in 2020. Mm-hmm. But in 2019... 
The mince and cheese pie division was won by Patrick Lamb. Yeah. So if you want to taste New Zealand's official best mince and cheese pie, you can go to Patrick's Pies Gold Star Bakery in Tauranga. Oh, cool. And get New Zealand's best mince and cheese. Oh, yum. I never, ever pick a mince and cheese either. Like, if I know it's a good quality pie, I'll go for, like a steak and cheese or like an Angus steak and cheese yeah. or something with like proper well, actual like, soft I tender chunks Charlotte of meat. So one of my personal favourite pie places recently, mm. Banana Pepper in Waihi. I always get the caramelised onion and steak pie yeah. because it's fucking delightful. Yeah. I got the a rhubarb pie. I got steak and cheese and then mm. I got the rhubarb and berry. Yeah. So it was like a rhubarb pies. and blackberry pie and they were phenom. And also FYI, it is currently Bear and Pie July. So it's a thing that I heard on the radio oh, when yeah. I was driving you up like here. like match beers to pies, eh? Yes. And there's also some people that... Yes. Yeah. yeah, it is. And there's also a few people who eat a pie every single day in July. And I'm like, oh, Can Nelly. you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, I, I love a good quality I don't pie love beer, but, but I love a good pie if same. I had, if I made a homemade pie or if I had a banana pepper pie I could easily eat one of those every day yeah but I shouldn't mm. because health so much butter and pastry don't eat and, a pie every day people yeah I'm definitely not recommending it like no no <laughs> please think of your health think of your arteries <laughs> <laughs> no. So yeah, it's and a good... this is why tradies sometimes have beer bellies. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and that's all I have for you today. So stay classy, New Zealand, and always blow on the pie. Always blow on the pie, like actually, because it's fucking molten hot, like lava. You gravy. bite into it. The pastry is is warm. It's not that hot. You bite into it. The inside of that pie is a scalding hot nuclear liquid mm. that will take the inside of your mouth so you do always have to blow on the pie yep and i'm definitely saying that from experience as well especially very naughty but never ever eat a pie and drive at the same time oh no that is asking for it to fall on your lap and mm-hmm. burn your thighs yeah mm-hmm. yeah not good speaking of loved it i'm trying to segue and i can't think of speaking of uh falling if you could fall into our social media, <laughs> I was wondering where was you were going. I was desperately trying to find a segue, and I can't <sighs> think of one. Oh my god, that was Head so over funny! Head onto our Instagram at With Relish Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be sharing some photos from the episode and our normal mix of weird retro food. There will not be, not be any photos of hairy pies. Oh, okay. No. What Jamie, if I need Jamie's it getting her content ready and I'm like X. What if I put it in a carousel post <clears throat> so you can click through to it? Some people might want to see the hairy pie. Please hide it in a carousel okay, post. I'll put it in a carousel post. Yeah. Um you can also rate, review, and subscribe us on iTunes or on Facebook. iTunes preferably, because that really helps us reach new people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can listen to us and subscribe and download on your streaming platform of choice. Yay! Thanks heaps for listening, everyone. Thank you. And and talk to us on social and Please come say hi. We'll uh yeah, talk to you guys later. Catch you later. Bye. Alligator. <laughs>